Elon Musk kills the Twitter bird while Threads adds new features to try and compete. In addition, a new report shines light on how workers are killing time when they're at home or in the office, which leads us to ask the question whether everyone's actually working. Those topics and more coming up on this episode of Today in Tech. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Today in Tech. I'm Keith Shaw. The guy pushing all the buttons behind that big monitor is Chris. Hello, sir. Hey, how's it going? Good. Good. Let's uh, let's catch up on a lot of news. We got a lot of things to talk about. Uh, last couple of days, everyone's been talking about this whole Twitter has just changed its name to X. Uh, they've killed the bird, the blue bird that everyone apparently loved because that's all that people want to talk about. Um, basically, on Monday, the website started showing the new X logo in its upper left corner, where Twitter's blue bird once perched. Musk overnight had changed his profile photo as well as that to the official Twitter account to the new X logo. I've seen a lot of sort of reactions to it most people are kind of making fun of it um comparing it to sort of porn websites like all the porn logos have x in their titles Uh, i saw one that was related to the uh, kingdom hearts video game where apparently the evil organization is called organization 13 it's x33 or x111 the roman number for 13 and then all of those bad guys have x in their name um i don't know It, it seems silly to me but i think when you look you know, there's something more than just changing the the logo, right? From from what uh, you're from what you're seeing and hearing. Yeah, I mean, for one, I think the X uh, branding. I, th- I think he's trying to put it in line with his other brands. Well, you know, he got SpaceX, right? Right. So I, I think he's just kind of putting it in line with that. And I think what Elon's trying to do with X is to make it a audio visual banking kind of site he tries he he wants to make it the swiss army knife of uh apps yeah there's there's something in this article from the wall street journal where basically uh the ceo linda yaccarino basically described x as including audio video messaging and banking banking capabilities Uh, musk has spoken before about his ambition to use twitter as the foundation of a vision that he has described as x.com in an everything app in March, he said the, he thought it was possible for his company to become the biggest financial institution in the world. He has cited as a model WeChat, a popular Chinese app that is used for everything from messaging to mobile payments to business services. Um, yeah. not, not so sure that's going to happen, but, you know. I, I, mean, know. I mean, you never know. I mean, look look what he did with you know Tesla. Look what he's doing with SpaceX. I mean, so far, he's been pretty successful. Right. You know, and, and what he's focusing on. So... Yeah, I think he's just trying to aim higher with Twitter slash X. You know, he's trying to, you know, maybe I, reach a broader audience. I think another there. joke that came out was like, if you merge Twitter with X, you get Twix. <laughs> um, so that was trending yesterday on on Twitter. And, uh, you know, when you see the trending topics, you usually go, oh, has someone died? Or, you know, what's going on? And so Twix is trending. I'm like, oh, I wonder if they've got a new flavor no no it's just people making fun of twitter plus x equals twix yeah so i mean like i don't i don't think this is a big deal um i mean i think elon musk was gonna kind of change a lot of things about twitter anyways so changing the brand and logo i don't think it's a big deal then again i don't have twitter so yeah i know you're you're (laughs) when you comment on this it's like yeah you don't use it at all i mean again i'm sure there's going to be a lot of heat in the comments about oh they shouldn't have done this but like uh, what does it matter you know what, what does it matter What's interesting to me is that the the assumption that an app or something belongs to someone, 
or belongs to the user. It doesn't. Fe- it feels like any of the outrage that's happening here is like, oh, how dare you change that blue bird or blah. You know, I like. I don't like the new logo. It's like, well, tough. Like that's the, it's, You know, you don't own the company, so I don't know. Maybe it's not. Am I am I overreacting here? Like I don't care one well, way or the other what what logo they use and and you know will I still call it Twitter? Yeah, probably. Yeah. Uh, the same way I still call Meta Facebook. I mean, it's still Facebook, and no matter how many times you know Zuckerberg wants to change his name, the name of the company. Right. Right. I mean, I, I think the ch- you know the challenge Elon has right now is how do you take your X brand and 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 uh, compete with the Twitter brand. Excuse me. Um, so, you know, because Twitter, you know, you have tweets, retweets. It kind of, you know, has yeah. a nice ring to it and yeah. it kind of makes sense. You know, it's a little, jar, uh, little bird tweeting, you know, chirp, chirp, chirp. But like, I'm not so sure. I, I think that's going to be his challenge is how do you, how do you one up the Twitter brand with your new brand and logo X? I'm certainly not going to start saying, well, yeah, I'm, I'm going to X something yeah, or I'm going yeah. to X that on Twitter. I'm going to post something. No, it's like, oh, I'm going to tweet it or I retweeted it or so-and-so tweeted something today. I I, think that word is still going to be around. Yeah, I don't don't think he's thinking of his brand or logo as a kind of like, it almost makes it seem like he doesn't really care that it's, I I don't know how you would want to call it, like public friendly facing. Right, because again, I think he's trying to get it in line with the rest of his organization. Mm-hmm. X. Kinda. Well, then how come he hasn't renamed Tesla into like Tesla X or Texla? <laughs> I mean, he's probably just fine with it. You know, he's fine with it. Is it? But it's if you been gonna, so successful, well, you know, why? if you were going to put an X into every company that you own, wouldn't you sort of start that at some point well, with the other it, brands? Is there a so there's a Tesla Model X? X. There you go. Okay, he, he already did it. Yeah, yeah but it, he has Tesla Model X's. Okay. And I know he has a Tesla Model Y, right? There's the Y. So, you know, and I think his son or, or his child, mm-hmm. a son or daughter is named some, I don't know, like alphabet or letter or yeah, I don't know. Yeah, say uh, X, X, I. Oh my God, he has, ten, he has 10 children. <laughs> what? No. Yeah. He has 10, what? He has 10 children? Yep. Elon Musk has 10 children. Well, or seven, according to... <laughs> according. Um, there is one... Yes, one of them... Okay, so he's got a bunch of kids. One of them is named Saxon, S-A-X-O-N. Another one is... The, this is the one that you probably remember. It's like X-A-E-A-X-X-Y-I-I, so 12. Yep. Um, That's it. Imagine going through life is that name. I know. I know. How, do you, how do you say that? How do you pronounce that? Uh, I don't know. It's like when Prince turned himself into a symbol. Mm-hmm. Like, you never just sort of... You, just, you still called him Prince. Yeah. You didn't never say like symbol guy, purple right. musician. Right. Um, I don't, yeah. But everyone's talking about it. So I, I feel like we have to talk about it too. It's, um, in the meantime, our, our pals over at uh, Meta Flight Facebook threads, like the Instagram. I, I, I've read an article now that, that's calling it Instagram threads. It's not actually part a, a separate app. It's now just Instagram threads. Um, that story is this was from last week where it's uh, there was an article about it's um, losing uh, allure for users adding urgency for some new features and just it just so happens that today they did add a new feature um so this story is a little bit old but it does express a feeling that you and i have both had about once you've launched something you still have to keep 
the users interested in order to keep them using it. So the interesting stat is not the fact that they have 100 million followers in a week. The more interesting stat would be how many of those people returned. And to be honest, after we set up our Instagram or, or Instagram threads account, my personal one, I, I've used it maybe twice. We have the Tech Talk Instagram channel, which we revived. So if you do find it, subscribe to it. Yep. Uh, we will put up our short video clips there. But then also that then allowed us to create a threads account. And I've been posting some stuff there. But again, I'm not not very interesting stuff. Just the, the, the posts from the show. I'm not kind of like trolling anybody or, or you know, doing what you would normally yeah. do on Twitter. Well, so here's the thing. Uh, yeah, there's the, there's a good. Uh, yeah, a this, good yeah, this shows the graph, right? The engagement is extremely low. But I mean, I guess this is my question is like, what does threads do differently uh, compared to other social media apps, right? Probably, probably nothing other than the fact that it's a meta branded app. Right, you know, maybe maybe that's the thing is that it's it's part of the meta ecosystem, but still, I don't I don't think it really does much. I don't, I don't think it doesn't really do anything different than any other social media it's, app out there. So it's the same sort of microblogging thing that you could get on. Right, you know, right. it's just a the branding. It could be a Facebook thing. You could be an Instagram thing. It could be a LinkedIn. I mean, LinkedIn almost does the same thing for most of these things. Yeah, so I, I think it was a impulse app or impulse development app i think zuckerberg just wanted to crank this out just so he can take advantage of the negative press that elon was getting after his buyout of twitter and yeah i don't think he actually has long longer term goals with it i could be totally wrong but the, it just feels like that it just feels it almost feels like an afterthought of an app. Well, you know? so you and I were talking about this before the show. This is a perfect example of the minimally minimally viable product that most apps and games and products sort of take these days when you're developing something. Yeah. Uh, you basically launch with the minimal, you know, minimally viable product. So it's a simple app, you launch with that. You get some users, you get you generate some excitement and then you start adding features as you're still generating revenue or generating interest or generating users and you just sort of drag the, the users on with you and they actually become your instant feedback and your, uh, beta your testers. beta testers. Yeah. Uh, you and I argue about this all the time about, you know, live games, live as a service type video games, uh, which you can't stand. And I'm, I'm okay with because I, at least I like that the fact that they're continually developing the game for the most part. So, I think this is a great example of this. And today they launched uh, a new feature. And so what did they do? Um, basically, they added the following tab that lets you see only the people that you follow. Um, and so this is this was something that annoyed me in my initial version of threads. Not so much in my feed, but in the, the, the company one that I'm also controlling. Uh, most of the people, some of the, like a lot, I was getting a lot of political kind of, posts because based on the algorithm from whoever was using this app before I took it over. And so I was like, I don't want to see those. I'm not following that person. And so the ability to sort of hit a tab and switch over to the people that only the people that I'm following. What, what is this? Is that, is that a meta spokesperson? I, I guess. Yeah. Um, All right. Scroll up. I don't want to keep looking at yeah. him <laughs> or just switch back to me. 
There we go. Um, yeah. So the fact that you can start following your own people gives you more control about who you see. And what's weird is that I've never experienced that on Facebook. Facebook, the big problem, I, another big problem I have with Facebook is you're not just seeing people posting. You're not seeing your friends posts. You do. But you're also then seeing like, oh, um, Chris Hebert liked this post from someone else or Chris Hebert made a comment on another post and some and sometimes those become posts that you don't want to see and then of course they throw in all the advertising and all these groups and the algorithm and it just becomes this big slosh i don't think threads has gotten there yet but i'm still waiting for those ads to start appearing on threads and i think that that chart that's going downward you'll see it even go you'll see it go downward even more yeah once they start adding ads uh, people are going to ditch it because why why bother having another app where you're bombarded with apps? I'll just go down. I'll go back to ads. Instagram and just go down that rabbit hole. I've certainly spent enough time just watching videos on that on that yeah. app, um, and sharing it with my my family who hates it when I share them share stuff with them. Um, all right, so m- moving on. Oh oh, I wanted one one quick thing, Chris. Uh, on one of the more recent shows when you and I were talking about Twitter and Threads, we we came up or I was talking to you how I don't like Mark Zuckerberg. Oh yeah, 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 and because I just feel like he looks like a fifteen-year-old, and and um, as I was looking, I was I, I sort of turned that into a short, but um, that reminded me I could actually draw an image or have AI do an image of what Mark Zuckerberg might look like with a beard. Hmm. So I went to Mid Journey and I said, "Imagine Mark Zuckerberg with a beard," and it came up with these five images. Because there was one of the images that came up. Yeah. So if you think you might respect Mark Zuckerberg more if he had a beard, this is what an AI drawing of those would look like. Um, I'm a little intrigued, but I'm also a little terrified the, of some of these. It's not that bad. Um, kind of reminds me of a medieval clergyman or a crusader. Okay, I see it. Yeah. The I get middle it. one and bottom right. But um, yeah, I think my respect of him has uh, just grown a little bit. <laughs> uh, just by looking at this, I'm... You know what? Meta, one hundred percent. See, Let's so go. so here's the cool thing. Well, so the, the the image on the bottom right, they put him in a turtleneck, and I'm like, well, now I now he feels like that's some sort of like '70s type poetry professor. So I don't like that look. Um, the one in the upper right does remind me sort of of you with your beard because it's a <laughs> little bit of a fuller beard. Um, the one. On the lower, on the upper left, no, I don't, That it's not as much of a beard, but I think the one on the lower left, and it's sort of blocked here with, with our image, but that, um, that one is pretty respectable too. I think with this, then I realized that he's got to work on the top of his head too. Like this, this curly hair sort of thing might, might need to be revised. So, Although I don't know how much you can really change the top of your head. So did you give him with a mullet? Oh no, that'll be my next. That I, go. I'm gonna try down. I'm gonna try to uh, see with a bunch of other ones, like you know, Mark Zuckerberg with his head shaved, Mark Zuckerberg with a mohawk, Mark Zuckerberg with a mullet. Those are those are coming next. All right, um, we're gonna jump back to Elon Musk now. Uh, back to the Tesla or Texla, as I'm gonna start calling it. Uh, there was an opinion a columnist in in the Wall Street Journal last week who basically rounded up the fact that Tesla had record profits in the in the latest quarter, and uh, their second quarter results were were amazing, and uh, it's now facing record sales, staggering profits, breakneck expansion. And basically, uh, this year, the Tesla Model Y became the best-selling automobile in the world. Did you know that? I had no idea. Uh, and then, of best course... Best-selling EV. 
Right? No, this one says just car it general. says best selling automobile in oh, the world. Wow. Um, and basically, because of a lot of this, Ford, GM, Rivian, Volvo, Polestar, and Mercedes Benz have announced plans to adopt the North American charging standard NACS, which is you know what Tesla uses, making it possible for their products to as- access Tesla's vast and growing network of supercharger stations. So this article was basically saying that by allowing this charger. And again, it becomes the de facto standard for EV charging. Um, now, I feel bad if you've owned some of these other cars because, mm-hmm. well, you'll probably have to buy an adapter to use this, but it, then future cars will then have this sort of charging port. Right. So I think that the game is over now in terms of the, the charging aspect of this, right? Uh, yeah, I'm sure. Um, but also at the same time, I think Elon, obviously, I think he gets a slice of every car, that every EV that's sold now. Yeah. So he, I don't know. He might be the next trillionaire. <laughs> <laughs> well. That's that's a, it's a good point. But in we had a guest in here on a recent show also that had been watching some of our clips about uh, our discussions of EV, especially when we we talked about the charging station and how long it's going to charge at, at a, like a gas station or a rest area or wherever they're going to put these things. Right. Um, and we we had sort of uh, assumed it was going to take an hour. So it's, 20, it's what is it? Twenty five minutes now. He said. I, I thought that this guest told us it was between. 15 minutes and 30 minutes. Um, and it wasn't because his, his supposition to me, his, his explanation was that when you go to a gas station, if you're on empty, you usually go in and you fill up all the way to the top and then you get home, right? Or it doesn't matter how much, you know, but with an EV, all you have to do is just charge the, the car to the point where you can safely get home and then plug it back into your own sort of home charger, which is the idea of when you have a, you know, when you have a cell phone, um, if you're, if you're out and about and you're like, well, I know I'm going to be home in a couple hours, I'll just recharge it at this like airport charging station or wherever you can get the free charge, the free electricity, just charge it to the point where you get to like 30 or 40% and then get home and then recharge it overnight. So that's sort of a, a different way of thinking when you're thinking about your automobile. So that would reduce the time. You wouldn't have to be spend an hour because you wouldn't be going up to the top anyway. You wouldn't get to the 100%. Now, if you were stretching that on a long, long road trip, like if you were driving to multiple cities, yeah, then you might have to space that out. But if you just needed one charge before you got home, get it to the point. It's going to tell you how, you know, whether you can, the app is going to tell you how much time you're going to have left on your charge and just charge it to 70% or 80%, get home and then recharge later. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. I mean, even to this day, well, I mean, even with gasoline cars, internal combustion cars, yeah. like, the, with the way gas prices are, I mean, there's still you know, a little bit up there. Yeah. I mean, they're a little bit more manageable now, but it's still, uh, you know, you look at the gallons and price as it ticks away, as you're probably just kind of like, uh. Yeah. Um, I, 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 well, I've done that on the sort of the mass pike because it's usually more expensive than oh the rest God, areas it's, there. It's like a whole dollar. Yeah. Like, more. you know, if, if I, if I was running low and I'm like, oh, do I really want to pay four bucks a gallon when yeah. I could be paying three fifty at home, then I might only put a couple of gallons in just to get to, right. to my home area where I know the gas is cheaper, but the prices don't fluctuate as much with the gas yeah. Um, and again, it's not so much about the price with the EV stuff. It's more about how much do I want, how much time it's, time is now the valuable commodity to, to someone. Right. Like, do I want to spend 10 minutes here and get to 70% or do I want to spend 30 minutes to get to the top of, of the charge? And I think most people are now choosing time. Or you could 
spend two minutes with a gasoline car and <laughs> get on your way. I don't know. I mean, look, I, I think it's good. I think it's it's good to, you know, EV uh, market is settling on t- uh, Tesla's charger. I think that's great. I just yeah. think the next step after that is like infrastructure. <laughs> well, yeah, the, the big how issue you, still remains about how are you producing the electricity to charge these things? Right. And uh, there's a lot of fossil fuels that are still going in that generate that electricity. Well, here's the thing. In my house, um, I, I actually, even if, even if I had the money to, to install an EV charger in my house, right, I couldn't because my circuit board, my uh, switchboard, yeah. it's maxed out right okay. now, yeah. currently. So yeah. that means I would have to... Upgrade your house. I, and I was talking to my electrician about this. He's like, yeah, you're going to have to get another... Um, circuit board, whatever you, whatever you call it, just leave it in the comments, mm-hmm. whatever it's called. <laughs> uh, circuit breaker circuit, board. Circuit I call breaker. it the there circuit breaker board. I would need another circuit breaker board, yeah. <laughs> which costs yeah, quite a bit. And then you have the whole charging, you know, equipment that you need. That's a whole other bit. And it's just kind of like, uh, maybe when they drop the price down uh, a little more, I, I don't know. But there's already that hurdle. Like yeah. for my instance, yeah. for my yeah. for my case, it's like, well, there's that hurdle. My circuit breaker's already filled up. I can't put another. And if I'm charging that every night, right? Week I commute to work three mm-hmm. three days a week. Three days a week. Yeah. And if I do that every night, uh, that's a big draw. Yeah, that's a big draw. So. So I've got so that that story of your house reminds me of another story. I've got the same issue, but only on one side of my house. Uh-huh. Uh, we have a house that's probably it was built in eighty seven. So that's if you do the math, thirteen to 30, 30 something years old. Uh, and on the left side of my house, that's where we have a lot of sort of electrical gadgets and different things that we put in. Uh, and we discovered that if uh, if we were downstairs and, or if my wife went downstairs to vacuum in that part of the house while the air conditioner on the second floor was on, it would blow the circuit breaker. Yeah. Yeah. And so we would always have to tell each other, Hey, I'm about, you know, shut off the AC in this room. Cause I'm going to vacuum downstairs or, and then, you know, so now we have another air conditioner. So we have three air conditioners on that left yeah. side of the house. Um, we can't run the middle one and the bottom one at the same time. So right. there's always this constant communication. We had an electrician come over and he said, oh, well, you've got old circuits or circuit breakers. I'll put yep. a new circuit oh, breaker in here. Breaker. And he showed me how much power like the vacuum cleaner was drawing. Versus, it draws a lot. Yeah. So we stopped vacuuming. I mean, that's the, the, the key is right there. You just, oh, okay. I guess I'll just stop vacuuming. And yeah. If you want to charge that's your... a joke, people. If you want to charge your Tesla, just... You don't need a vacuum. Just you live, have a Tesla. Just live in fill. Live in your Tesla. <laughs> You know, like, just, well, and like, the, and actually your, your situation is actually similar to mine. So in our garage, uh, we have a second fridge. We have, we have, we have two fridges in the house, one yep. in the, in the kitchen. And I missed my the, second fridge. We yeah. got rid of one of ours, but I now miss it. Yeah. And, and one in the garage. So by adding that fridge and we had a mini split installed. Mm-hmm. Now, mini splits are relatively energy efficient. Yeah. I, we love it. It's great. So since we bought the house, we have an extra fridge. And a uh, mini split for our uh, attachment. We have a, an addition on the house, so we're we're maxed out. If we were to put uh, any other big major appliance with a big draw, it's it's going to flip a breaker. Yeah, similar to your story. So yeah. I, I think I, I think you might see more stories like ours 
trying to integrate yeah. EVs into your household. Well, do you have solar on the top of the house too? Or no? No. You're not no, generating we, the solar yet? We don't have solar. Are you surround? Because that's because you live in the middle we, of the woods. We have a lot of trees. <laughs> and since we bought the place, we took down seven trees. You're going to have to cut down 50 trees to get the sunlight in, to, in order to get the solar panel. Right. And like when, I mean, you're not wrong when we say we live in the woods. We, yeah. I really do live in the woods. You know, not in the country, but like, you know, it's outside of a major city. Yeah. Right, right, right. So seven trees we cut down initially, and we're going to plan on cutting about four more. So it, it's just, a lot. Just to get the sunlight or to just get something to, else? Just just for Well, just aesthetics. to get the trees away from the house. Yeah. But by doing that, yeah, there's going to be a lot more sun in the house. I think we should just change the name of this podcast to This Old House. Or <laughs> Yeah, there you go. But... You know, it's not so cut and dry. It's not so simple as yeah. someone who lives in an inner city. For example, look at Needham. Look at Needham. Okay. We, we don't have a brand, you know, the, you have, you see a lot of brand new houses in Needham. Yeah. Very, I don't know how, what you want to call it. Wealthy, uh, expensive. Wealthy, very wealthy, uh, expensive, green grass everywhere. <laughs> yeah. So it, I think you're going to run into that issue where you have these family households trying to adopt and it's going to become a lot more challenging than say someone who lives in the inner city. Right. And, so. and I think another point that, that we, that this conversation brings up is a decision that you make is either a homeowner or a consumer. You might not realize is the other consequences that will happen because of that decision. So again, uh, as a consumer, if I want to buy an electric car, I now have to start thinking, well, do I need to upgrade my house to get the electrical grid working so that the circuit breakers don't break all the time? Uh, what else do I have to do? You know, I'm going to have to change my route planning if I am going on a longer trip. It's, you know, step, 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 step down the road. Um, same thing for like just house stuff. Like there's all these things that I want to do, but in order to do that, I have to do A, B, and C, and I just don't have the time or energy or money to, to sort of do that at this point. Yeah. Another uh, side note, going back uh, to what we were initially talking about, about the like the viability of putting in a another appliance in your house. The whole reason why we found out um, that we would have to get another circuit breaker is we were actually planning on, uh, we were thinking about putting in a dual zone in our house. So our house has central air. Yep. Right. And I was talking to my HVAC guys like, hey, you know, is it possible to put the a second zone on the on the second floor? So he took a look at our circuit breaker and he's like. You have you have no spots left. You have nothing. Yeah, you'd have to put in a whole other circuit breaker. Yeah, and he's like, yeah, that's a that's a big project. Yeah, yeah. So and and we're yeah. also now faced with the fact that elect electricians trying to find an electrician is a is a chore for many part many people. Oh, I don't worry. I'll, I'll hook you up, Keith. I'll okay. Up. All right. Well, I heard that there's a shortage of electricians. That's why I was thinking that yeah, it might be a yeah. problem. Uh, okay. Moving on from this old house. Uh, TikTok. <laughs> Let's go back to TikTok. Uh, they want to sell made in China goods to Americans. Uh, this is a Wall Street Journal exclusive story. They are launching an e-commerce business in the U.S. to sell made in China goods to consumers, stepping up its rivalry with popular shopping platforms, Sheen, S-H-E-I-N, and Timu. I don't know if I pronounced Timu right, but I did learn it's not Shine, it's Sheen. Uh, and I'll tell you about how I know that in a second. Uh, the video sharing platform will make the program available in its biggest market in early August. Uh, people with the f uh, familiar with the plan said, as it seeks to replicate the American success of these China-founded rivals, of these two other companies. Uh, apparently, it's also similar to Amazon's sold by Amazon program. TikTok will basically store and ship items, including clothes, electronics, and kitchen gadgets on behalf of manufacturers and merchants in China. It will also handle the marketing, transactions, logistics, and after-sales services. Um, 
I don't know if it would take off with the people who are angry at TikTok at the moment, uh, but there is still a fan base. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't know if this is a good idea. Honestly, uh, I mean, we we already have spyware in our phones. I mean, <coughs> sorry, excuse me. We have TikTok <laughs> on our phone. Um, so having TikTok throughout the rest of your house, I, I, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about that. Um, Without casting a broad net about every company that might be in China <laughs> making things. Sure. <laughs> Let's assume that maybe some of these products are on the up and up. Sure. Uh, if, if it becomes less expensive to sort of ship and, and, and get these products from China, maybe I would, uh, you know, I'm hesitant on the electronic side, knowing what they've done with the phones, knowing what they've done with other gadgets. Um, but if they make a cheaper pizza cutter, <laughs> so with like, no electronics in it, yeah, you know, I, I, I have a shark vacuum. Okay. It's, I think it's one of the main competitors, the Dyson. Yeah, or Chinese. iRobot. Well, okay. Oh, you have a shark, like you don't have the robot vacuum. I do. I, okay. I do have it a, is the shark robot vacuum. No, no, no. It's no. a shark. It's a regular push. It's like, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's similar to a Dyson, right? I could tell, but, I, as you can tell, my vacuuming skills are, are not up to par, mainly because of the power situation in my right. house. Right. You don't, you don't vacuum anymore. Yeah. So. <laughs> keep the power draw low yeah. but um no i mean that's, have, that's the reason honey <laughs> <laughs> so like we have a shark vacuum it's great it's comparable to dyson but you know it's it's a vacuum what yeah. is it gonna do it's not gonna you know it's just a vacuum so or is it is it i know right it's got tiny microphones and cameras yep. everywhere they're listening to everything that you're talking about in your house when you're vacuuming yeah. Although, uh, to be honest, you know, if, if it's got a microphone on a vacuum, this is what you would hear. Right. What did you say, honey? Right. That and was the world's worst impression of a vacuum cleaner, by the yeah, way. Yeah, yeah. And, and granted, like, you know, we have the Amazon, um, what was it called? The little, I can't remember. Oh, sorry. We, well, the we Roomba. have a Google. Uh, no. No, Google Dot, Alexa. We have all those. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This, oh, those speaker systems. And every yeah. once in a while, when you're kind of like talking in another room, it goes off and it's like, what did you say? I'm not talking to you. What? Yeah. Why, why Every you, why once in a while, on? it goes off a lot. I know. I'm yelling at that thing on a regular basis to just shut so up. So I, I think there might be a little bit of hesitancy, especially seeing this article uh, and just the, you know, how TikTok wants to sell products, yeah. digital electric, electronic products in the U.S. I think there's going to be a, a lot of hesitancy, okay. hesitancy it, with that. It's going to be hesitancy with two old guys that are on the show. However, uh, there is still an audience of young people that love oh, TikTok. Yeah. Uh, my youngest daughter really liked the Sheen clothes because they were really inexpensive. So she could, and she was in, she was in that age where fashion is everything. And she, that's what she wants to do. She wants to, you know, wear 17 different pairs of clothes on the same day. I think she's sort of growing out of that phase, but there was a part where she was getting a lot of these clothes. And, you know, when, when your teenage daughter asks you to buy something, it's like, well, this will cost you $10 and you'll get three things of clothes. Or we could go to Amazon or go down to the street and, and then, you know, one thing is $40. I'm going to lean towards the, the cheaper option. 
Um, but it turns out that the clothes apparently from Sheen had some lead in them. I don't know if you heard about this. Oh, wow. Yeah. So there was a 21, 2021 investigation by a, a Canadian investigative consumer watchdog uh, that discovered elevated levels of lead and other potentially hazardous chemicals and products available for purchase from Sheen and other retailers. In response, Sheen said it would remove those products from its apps, cut ties with third-party vendors that helped make them and conduct chemical safety tests on its, prod, uh, on its products. There is insufficient evidence to ascertain whether the consumer investigation identified all the items in their massive inventory with lead problems or to what extent the company has actually eliminated such products from its listings. But once I heard that, I'm like, well, I don't want to order anything from them anymore. No, um, absolutely not. No, uh, you know, I you know, so it's the same thing as as TikTok starts developing these this e-commerce platform. You know, do you want to? How do you know where these products are coming from? What kind of labor they're using? Right. You could say the same thing about Amazon, though. You could say the same thing about anything that you buy. Do you really do your homework in terms of figuring out where this stuff is coming from? I mean, most of the, no. Yeah, I mean, most of the time, Amazon is a vendor, right? They sell. Right, but they do, and products. but then they they have their own sort of branding. Like there are like Amazon basic brands, and so they're trying right. to sell less expensive but versions. But I'm sure they they've got to have a standard of quality. You know what I mean? Even though they are Amazon, they sell their own brand. Like yeah. I have Amazon, um, Amazon Basics computer arms. Yep. for my laptops. Yep, and they're arguably some of the best arms, monitor arms you can buy on the market. It's just a solid quality, nothing fancy, nothing special. Yeah. But thinking about just going back to what we're, what you're, you were talking about, the cheap products, it's like, in my mind, okay, you got cheap products and then you have affordable products. I'd take the affordable ones over, over cheap, cheap yeah. because with cheap products, there's always that chance of them cutting corners and and not having you know good QC or something like that. So maybe that lead, heck, maybe the manufacturer company that makes those clothes for some reason they also manufacture parts with lead. Yeah, and they got them like mixed up, and the QC was horrible, and it could be it. But I don't know. I think you got to be careful with cheap stuff, you know, especially when it comes from other countries you know and standards might be different right so all right so I, you're, I you're a thumbs down on that idea but oh yeah that i mean we'll monitor it hesitant yeah you're hesitant <laughs> and, until we can see if there's some really cheap video products that that comes comes out of this yeah i mean i, I don't buy or inexpensive or affordable I'll, I'll use that word instead of cheap sure i mean whatever the sheen brand like yeah obviously i don't Oh, these are, these are, these are clothes for, for teenage girls. You're not going to, you've got, you've got 10 or 12 more years at least. Yeah. I got some time. And maybe the, I don't know if the company's still around then other, or there's some other sort of China backed company. (laughs) Uh, all right, let's move on. We've got a couple of other things we want to talk about on the show. Uh, another, another getting into the worker remote hybrid office space types of things. There was a, a fun article in the wall street journal this week, basically saying that remote work diehards like to brag about how much they get more work done from home. Truth is, it's often their downtime that's also much more productive. What do workers do all day? Well, they work, of course, it says this article. They also take runs, unload the dishwasher, and pop out to the drugstore if they're remote. Recent data from Stanford University and other researchers uh, found that basically those at home are more likely to exercise, complete chores and personal errands, and care for their kids during the workday. Employees in the office, meanwhile, are more likely to kill time scrolling the internet or playing a game on their phones, according to a survey of more than 4,500 people. The okay. Ba- okay, wait, wait. I know you want to jump in here. I know you are. I know you're ready. Basically, it does feel like the article is sort of promoting that remote work lifestyle, correct? It's pro. Okay, so. Okay, go to you. Just real quick. I think they're promoting 
not working. Yes. They're promoting <laughs> doing your chores while you work. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's what it comes off as. Yeah. Blatantly. It's like right right at Blatantly. the beginning it's like the the work from home people they do dishes and take care of your children and walk your dog, go take, you know, do the laundry, take some take a shower, do these go to the drugstore like while you're working. Oh, but these people that go into the office <laughs> They look at their phone. <laughs> they they look at their phone. Can you can you believe it? Can you believe the that people these people are, are wasting time looking going at their to phone the office and reading the internet? <laughs> but oh, it's okay. These people who work from home, they're getting a lot done. Oh, they're getting all their chores, all you know, home care, all the you know, doing all this. But and, you know, sometimes they work. <laughs> so I, I don't get it. I, I don't get it. I I think having you know there whoever was, yeah go ahead well, no no it's fine there was a part of the other there was a part of the article that did discuss the fact that as human workers we do need breaks and so i think that the the author or you know the, this report the angle that they were taking was if we if we agree that that people need breaks when when they're working whether it's just a mental break because you've been working on something really hard and you need a a, a quick five minute jog around the building or whatever they're trying the point they're trying to make is that when you're working at home you are sort of being home productive productive well you're being home productive versus work productive but and if you're at work and you take a break you're being not productive not productive <laughs> but it's like you could be work productive at work for example okay okay if i you know i'm at work where i'm at work right now i'm going to take a break i'm going to take a five minute coffee break now, I'm at, at my five-minute coffee break. I can talk to Su Susan or Jane in sales yep. and talk about, you know, our, our latest sales performance on sponsorships. Right. That's productive, but at the same time, you're kind of taking a break. Right. So, again, that, that I don't is, get yeah. it. And, I, and you're not doing that at, at you're, you're not taking a work break at home. Like, when you and I work both at home on Mondays and Fridays, generally, right? Yeah. If I'm taking a break, so I'm, you know, I'm editing a video or I'm doing something or I'm doing some research for, you know, some topics or, you know, emailing some potential guests. I'm like, okay, that was, that was, that was, you know, 15, 20 minutes of work. I'm ready for a break. I don't immediately call you up on Zoom and go, hey, Chris, it's time for a break. Let's just chat at the, at the, at the virtual water cooler. There's none of that. So right. you, so what do you do? You go to the bathroom, you grab something from the fridge, you, you walk your dog, you take your dog out, yeah. you, you end up doing these things that are, cause that's why you're at home. I don't know if one is better than the other. I mean, I, I, I think it's, it's, it's a little bit of, it's a little disingenuous to say that you're being productive because it's more like you're just being home productive. Yeah. You're, you're putting, you're effort, doing chores at, at your house. You're, you're putting in effort and chores into something that does not work. And it's being looked at right now as a good thing because it gives you more of a life balance. Now, because of this, work. because of this home productive stuff that you're doing, do you extend the day beyond five, six o'clock because of that? I'm, I, I mean, honestly, I think I, people are not. Let's, let's not get anybody in trouble here, either you or me. Right. Um, I would also, I would say that the answer is probably not because then other life kicks in. Like I've got school, I've got kids to take to school right. and activities. And then, you know, if I got home back at eight, there are sometimes I'll log on and, and, and catch up on work or do some additional stuff. But yeah. other times you're just sitting in front of the TV and playing video games or watching TV. Sure. But uh, also, hold on, so my computer timed out. Um, I, I think... You know, with the with a 
with a hundred percent focus on work from home, I think it also does disrupt the work life balance. Cause now think about it. If you're, if, you know, when you take a break at home, working from home and you do all your chores, oh, what time is it? Oh, you've already spent an hour and a half doing chores. <laughs> and then you tell yourself, well, I'm going to work. I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to have dinner. I'm going to spend time with my kids. And then I'm going to jump back onto my laptop and finish work around eight, nine. It's, I think, and I think they mentioned, they mentioned this in the article. Um, I got to find it. Okay. That the work times are, are changing. Yeah. Because of the flexibility, yeah. you know, working from home adds this insane amount of flexibility. You're at home. Yeah. So it, it definitely changes the, the work-life balance, you know, because think about it. When we drive to the office and we do a, you know, a tech talk, we punch in. And well, we, we don't punch and in. when we leave, no, I know, but figuratively speaking, yeah. we, you know, we punch in when we get in and then when we leave, okay, I'm in home, I'm at home and home is home. You're able to do home things. Mm -hmm. So it mm -hmm. definitely changes the work life balance. We're here, the, when you're just working solely from home, you, the work life balance is mixed up. It's, yeah. It's really mixed up. The other thing too, I, I, I do, I do feel like there are a lot of people that, that can do that though. They can. Sure. And because when they, when they do go back from the sort of the chores and the errands, they are focused on sort of getting work done. I, and and it's weird depending on the industry that you're in. Productivity is defined as, you know, in, in a lot of different ways, you know, my productivity and your productivity is, is, did we get the two to three episodes done per week? Did we do enough promotion of our, of the, of the, shows that we did right. are we showing growth in in subscribers and that kind of thing those are the metrics that were judged on um other businesses you know was this did you make that sale did you get that campaign running right um maybe the traditional idea of, of this 40 hour work week and eight hours a day is is sort of melded into this new hybrid flexible work plan and again it, i guess most people might not feel that they are either productive or not productive. I don't know. Uh, honestly, I, I think I think meeting in the middle with a three day work week could be beneficial. Yeah, could be really beneficial. But going back to the whole, you know, taking a break during your your work day, I think, um, like when you take a break when you're in work, you're able to at least still be a little bit productive, right? You can go go to the water water cooler, cooler and I mean, I mean and, the virtual water cooler. I, mean, I don't know. Yeah, you know what I get mean. Get a coffee, get a coffee machine. Right, but when you're at home, again, you're you're gonna do chores. You're gonna t you're gonna you're gonna advert your attention to something else that's not work related. And I, I think that's what the other argument is getting at in the article is at least when you're at work, you're there at, at work. And yeah, you can communicate with other people in your team and and whatnot. But anyways, um, I, I think there's more nuances to this than just everybody needs to go back to the office or everybody needs to just work from home. I think there's got to be some sort of like in between, you know what I mean? So you, you think that the the hybrid work thing is not working? I think it's working in some cases. I don't think it's working in others uh, because, and we've mentioned this a while back too, like when, for example, if you look, I forget her name, we, we had her on for a, an episode, but she talked about her company's approach to work from home. Where yeah, well, we've had a couple of people, yeah. Half of their team works from home, half of them work in the office, so yeah. then you got to coordinate the Zoom yeah. rooms yeah. and stuff, and half the people are there and half the people aren't, and so once you're done with the Zoom call, the half of the team that's with you in the office, you're there continuing your conversations where people on Zoom, well, you're offline, you're no longer talking to them. So those people might miss out on what you're communicating. Right. So 
I don't know. I, again, I think in some businesses it'll be fine and others, maybe not so much. It might be difficult, but here's, here's another thing that's throwing the, the wrench into this whole debate too. There was another story. You don't have this on your, on your screen, hmm. uh, but there was a wall street journal story last week about the biggest holdouts on the five day office work week. Oh, our bosses. One. Yeah. There it's not the, the low, the low ranking, you know, frontline worker. It's not even your middle managers. It's the bosses. And apparently there's a McKinsey research that says an influential group of senior employees strongly prefers the option of working from home at least part of the time. They are the top performers and competitors. Uh, and Oh, they are the top performers and competitors will poach them with the promise of remote work. So these companies that have, you know, salespeople or, you know, the big wigs of the company that are, you know, raking in all the money, um, they're the ones that are saying, oh, well, you know, let's keep working at home. Like we don't. And then if, if, if another CEO above them or another leader tries to get them to go back into the office, they're like, well, I'm, I'm pulling in, you know, seven figures. I'll go to another company that respects that. So I don't know I, where the wall street journal stands on this. <laughs> like half the time their articles are about get back to work. Right. And then half the other half of the time there's like, Oh no, stay at home. Yeah. I mean, if you're making six figures, right. And if you're upper management, you're when you're working from home and you take, you know, a break, you're playing golf. <laughs> so of course, you know, it might be fine for them. You know, of course they're going to keep the, I'm just joking. It's probably not like that, but it makes you think. Do you right? remember, do you, you remember the myth, the myth of the, uh, like the three martini lunch, you know, if you were like, it was like, like think about Mad Men and the advertising sure. culture in the sixties, yep. you know, the, all of the executives would go to lunch and then you'd get drunk at work, You're right. yep. you know? I've never experienced any of that. Like I was, I was, my working career began in the nineties. And by then everyone was like, no, there's no such thing as you can't drink at work. What, what are you talking about? Like, that's, that's a horrible idea. And, and maybe I just wasn't in the right circles because I was never in sales or the industry or, or the right industry. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, journalism was always about, you know, the smoke filled newsroom and just cranking out news stories. And so you're you know. saying I, IDG wasn't like the Wolf of Wall Street. Like, remember that? Or <laughs> was that a, was that a smoke filled room? Or <laughs> it was a lot of other filled. Oh well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, No, no. <laughs> in, in fact, I didn't even come to IDG until the two thousands. Okay. And by then, it was all right. You know, I I walked into the newsroom at, at IDG for a lot of these things, and it was like you were in a library. Oh geez. Um, and you would have editors that would sort of like shush you if you were being too loud. That's so fun. And growing up and and sort of working in the in the early days of the newspapers when I not early. My early days as a, as a reporter in the 90s, it was it was bouncing ideas off each other, yelling, you know, and sort of this chaotic thing to put out a newspaper, of course, which is now obsolete. So right. um, I assume that there are some newsrooms like that still. Sure. If you have even a bunch of reporters that are gathering in a newsroom anymore, I think most newsrooms are now probably remote. Some, some person sitting in their home office just cranking out stories and talking to, to sources that way. Or talking, <sighs> talking to their cats. Talking um, to their cats. Yeah. Most sources are cats. <laughs> cats are more willing to, to go off the record than dogs will. Anyway, uh, one last topic. And this is a, an interesting one. 
the there's this idea that artificial intelligence could give us digital immortality. Um, this was a, a feature story in, in Engadget that I think you and I both found fascinating. Uh, if you believe that generative AI avatars for the dead are still a way out, you'd be wrong. At least one comp- company is offering digital immortality already, and it's as costly as it is creepy. Uh, Rememory is the name of the company, is a service offered by Deep Brain AI, a company whose main business includes those virtual assistant type screens along with AI news anchors. Uh, it's, it's a firm in South Korea, and they took their experience uh, with marrying chatbots and generative AI video to its ultimate uh, and some would say like weird conclusion for $10,000 and a few hours in a studio. Ooh. You can create an avatar of yourself that your family can visit at an additional cost at an offsite facility. Um, because this company is based in Korea, it, it's sort of, there's a mourning tradition in term in Korea where uh, there's this word called Jessa or Jisa, which is an annual visit to the departed's resting place. Um, very bizarre. I want to play the video just just to see. You don't have to play the whole video, but just sort of jump ahead a little bit to talk to see what this experience would be like. You can skip ahead this it, because it's weird because this guy was sentenced. It to goes death. fast. Okay. So the wife is now visiting the avatar in this in this location. So, obviously, this woman really feels like she's talking to her husband. Yeah. And so, it's um, it's very emotional. I think I, I think I don't know if this is going to take off at this at this cost. Probably not. Um, all right, we could stop. All right, so. I mean, it's, there, there's yeah, one it's, company that does that. So I think that I, most of us realize that artificial intelligence will advance to the point where you can do a lot of this stuff uh, and you will be able to take enough footage of someone from a video perspective and you'll have their voice and you feed that into a generative AI algorithm and you could start having conversations with people who've died. Now, I want to jump. Let's get back to that in a second. But I want to talk about we've talked about sort of the voice AI stuff before. And I did sign up for this one company. It was called Eleven Labs. And they were able to do this where they could take. And we, and we, we played it on the show where they replicated my voice in terms of the, the closing of the show, which was a lot better done by AI than, than you know, human me. What. I then tried to do is I tried to take old footage of my son when he was, you know, three to four years old and he had, you know, sort of the cute little toddler voice, which we loved. And we've got a whole bunch of videos of him using that voice. And I tried to take that audio to see if I could recreate that. And I, and it, and it didn't quite get there yet. But again, I also only spent like 30 to 40 minutes on it. If I spent the whole day to try to sort of replicate it, I probably could. And of course, now that the, the technology might get better, I think it would be cool to have sort of a version of my son that doesn't exist anymore because he's now a teenager and his voice has changed and his mannerisms have changed and his personality has changed. Um, I just thought that would be cool as well. Now, um, in terms of mourning and death, like I, I'm going to get a little serious here. My, my father passed away 20 years ago. Um, I don't have any sort of digital recordings of him because we didn't have a lot of 
video or audio of him at the time. Um, I've got a lot of photos and that's basically how I remember him through photos and, you know, through memories. But, you know, in the last 20 years, we've now escalated to the point of where we are filming everything. We are recording everything. You will have the resources to create this down the road. Um, but there's a lot of sort of moral and ethical decisions that you'd have to make. I, I don't think like, you know, would I spend the money to, to create a digital representation of myself so that I could talk to, um, you know, family members after I've gone, it, right. they know it's not going to be me. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, looking at this, it kind of does have to be a closed system. Um, you know, not available on the cloud. It's gotta be, you know, like on a drive. Uh, it's, you know, it's what they said in the article. Yeah. It's called, uh, you know, Jessa probably, I'm probably pronouncing it wrong. But it's, you know, you go there for, you know, a fee to be able to view your AI relative, right? Deceased relative. So, I mean, I kind of, yeah, it kind of makes sense. You know, I can can believe it. I mean, I know people that have had, and I think this was was in a movie, uh, one of the Avengers movies, I think, where someone held on to the last voicemail message that their spouse had left them. Um, and, and the character would constantly just replay that message just so that he could hear um, that person's voice. Wait, which one? What was it? It was in Civil War. It was the bad guy. Oh, was, Zemo. Yeah, Zemo yep. had, had um, That's right. held on to that, that voicemail message from his wife right before she was killed by Tony Stark. Anyway, the point is, is that we do hold on to it. And I do know some people, I have, I have some friends and family members who have gone through the difficult part of losing a spouse or losing, losing a child. And you do, there is that need of you want to hear from them again, or it would be kind of interesting. Um, but everything I've seen so far, the first, the first reaction I get is, wow, that's creepy. So I don't know yeah. if I if I took all of the photos of my dad, for example, and and sort of fed this into the the AI algorithm, and if I could find his voice somewhere or sort of try to replicate it, right. would I really want to sort of engage with an AI avatar of someone who you know? It's I think it's it comes off as a little a little creepy just because you know, like you said, it's just an avatar; it's not actually them. Yeah, you know, you're looking at a screen; it's a digital representation of them. Maybe some of the lines uh, that they recorded were scripted and truly is them, but the rest of the stuff that the AI takes over, you know, if you ask him a question or something like that, it's not really, yeah. I mean, that's the creepy part about it. Is yeah, it's and, and not really them. It's almost like we're deep, you know, the deep fake discussion deep fake, we've had you know. with with movies where, you know, this is a big issue with the the actor strike now and the writer strike of of can you use AI to basically replicate an actor? Harrison Ford is 80, but they used de-aging and deep fake sort of technologies to make him look like he was 30 or 40 again in, in Indiana Jones. Um, do we want that, you know, in the future, do we want to have these avatars that we can pretend might be real, but we all know that they're not, but down the road, they get really good at it. I don't know. I, I, I'm sort of on, this is where the cranky old man kicks in and I go, I don't want, I don't want this at all. But you know, my kids and their grandkids, who knows? Maybe like, they, maybe they will develop it. To I, that I think a way to think about it is like, could you, could you go without it? You know what I mean? Or would it make a big deal if you had it? 
the this digital, you know, the yeah. AI, or would well, you be upset if it got taken away? This is a, that's a really good question. Does this does a system like this help in the grieving process? Right, exactly. I've got you know another friend who lost her husband, and for the you know, and she's been sort of she's been privately mourning, but she's also been publicly mourning on Facebook, where she you know posts a memory of him and and says a comment, and I feel horrible for her. You know, it's been a it's it's been a year, and I don't want to know. I don't know when that process ends, and it never really does. I mean, I miss my dad terribly. I mean, that that's twenty something years ago. Um, but you sort of do move on from a lot of this stuff, and so would 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 seeing this, would seeing a digital avatar made by AI, would it help me get through this process faster, or would it become a a, a hook? You know, would right. it, would I become hooked on this and then not being able to move on? That's that's something that's again way beyond my pay grade. I, we'd have to talk to psychologists and therapists and all sorts of people about whether that might, would be good or bad. It might be harder to let go or come to terms with the yeah. with the loss yeah. if you're able to interact with something. I mean, you've already got people addicted to sort of their screens and their phones. Would you know? Would they become addicted to this AI personality of either? And it, it, even if it wasn't someone who had passed. Like, let's say they create a digital avatar of a celebrity and someone just starts getting chatty with, with a celebrity and you know, right. That just goes down a really dark path too. So I don't know. I think, I think we'll have to see if this, this technology gets either better or worse or just is just a a swinging fad. I don't know at this point if I would want to invest in that. Yeah. We'll have to see. All right. Wow, a lot of topics. Uh, it was good, good catch up with you on, on the new stuff. Good to see you. Yeah, same here. That's all the time we have for today's video. Don't forget to like the video, subscribe to the channel, add any comments you have below, especially on this last topic of, of AI digital immortality. Uh, join us every week for new episodes of Today in Tech. I'm Keith Shaw. Thanks for watching.